Hello, everyone. Redcoat here. Sand here joins him. And we've got yet another podcast for you. It's uh, a long month. Yeah. <laughs> Very long month. Well, uh, you know, we, we plan these out kind of a month at a time, and uh, this is one of those those five weekend months. So um, we've been going for a little while here, but uh, thank you for, for joining us. And today we are going to talk about gaming communities. Yeah. Specifically, what we're going to be talking about here is the makeup of gaming communities. Uh, this isn't going to be about public relations or community management, though that stuff might be touched on a little bit. But uh, we're going to be looking more at the audiences that comprise these communities and examining them, basically. Or rather, we should say the concept that games have audiences and those audiences can be split into communities and those communities can also be split into um, sub-communities. Yeah. And so before we really dig into this, we want to make it clear that uh, any individual person they don't have to be just in one community. They can be in a whole bunch of different ones. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, one of my favorite things is sliding scales, right? You yeah, yeah. Be more invested in one community than another. But we're not saying you can only be part of one community in a game. You know, if you're particularly fond of... Just to throw out an example and to give you a bit of a, uh, a thinking of where this is going. You know, if you're really into playing Smash Brothers as a party game, you can also be really into playing it as a competitive game. You're probably going to be able to have more friends that way. Yeah, well... <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, you don't have to, to restrict yourself if you don't want to. But a lot of people probably going to emphasize some community over another, but... Oh, yeah. Well, that's personal preference, right? But it's personal preference, and you don't have to. So getting right into this, jumping right into the pool, the first major split that we've got is uh, engagement with b the broader community of players. Now, there are many players who, when they pick up a game, uh, they play it without engaging the broader audience for which they're part of. For most games, this is going to be a pretty large portion of the player base. I mean, some games like MMOs uh, will reduce that percentage a lot, but Overall, the majority of the players for a single-player and sometimes local multiplayer supporting games are often a very silent majority that don't really engage with communities, per se. Yeah, so this is sort of the idea of you might play Smash Brothers with a friend, or you might just be a steady fan of, say, the Assassin's Creed games for, you know, because you enjoy them. You go out, you buy a new one, but you don't really go on the internet, you don't really look up stuff about them, you just kind of play what you play and move on with your life. Um, and it's just not a broader community engagement. That's fine, and a lot of people are going to be that way. But those are not the players we're focusing on, because yeah. they are very significant. Absolutely, the game makers cannot ignore them. They should not ignore them. But they also don't make a lot of noise on, on the communities. Now, it should be noted that uh, there can be kind of some links that can show up here. So, for example, you could have somebody that has a friend that's really engaged with the community. So they kind of hear some of the stuff that gets talked about when they talk with their friend about, oh yeah, this game was awesome. Or you could just have a couple of friends that, say, both really like Assassin's Creed, and so they get together and talk about the, the most recent Assassin's Creed game and their experience playing it. You know, that sort of thing can happen, and that's kind of a, a small micro-community. But when we're talking about the sort of the larger community, we talk about often sort of internet communities or, or things like that. Uh, there are a lot of sort of broader communities that can develop, and there's a lot of different factors that can determine what sort of communities will develop. Generally, the most dominant sort of factors, the factors that play the biggest role in determining what sort of communities are going to spring up, are going to be a combination of what sort of ways there are to play the game and who is playing the game. Uh, and what I mean by that is like, 
gaming personalities. So that's going to be like your YouTubers and your streamers, that sort of thing. With that in mind, we get to this concept of some of the modes of play that will cause different communities to kind of to develop around them. Uh, the most obvious is uh, if your game has both a PvP and a PvE element, um, or rather PvP and PvE modes of play, different communities will develop around these two these two modes just by the nature of the engagement that these modes provide. Yeah, the players have different goals, different things that they want, uh, different things that they're looking for. So you can see this with Dark Souls that has the ability to have PvP elements. You have people that are focused on the PvP that are really engaged in that, really like that. That's what they do. That's what they get the games for. But you also have people that really wish that wasn't a mechanic in the game. So you have this sort of other community that's like, hey, we just care about the player versus environment experience. Mm -hmm. You know, and Guild Wars 1 had this where you had the people who were like super into PvP and that's what they wanted the game for. And then you had the people that are super into PvE and that's what they wanted the game for. So, you know, this is some, some divides that you can see in the community, different in the greater, broader audience, some of these sort of communities that develop within it around these different sort of aspects. Yeah, and again, remember, it's all it's all a scale when it comes to the individuals. Sometimes people are in, in both and yep. uh, or in one more than the other. Moving on, the other thing that can create uh, multiple communities is players focusing on specific elements of the game's construction, such as uh, the story or the mechanics or even really specific things, such as like in a fighting game, a community that forms around a singular character or uh, in an in a in an MMO, that's a that's a tongue twister. <laughs> in an MMO, <laughs> in an <Yeah>. MMO, uh, <laughs> see an enemy. Yeah. Uh, such as in an MMO, the classes. These can also be something that communities develop around. Yeah, one of the things that you'll find also are there can be other communities for things like speedrunning or challenge runs, things like that. Oh yeah, like every year we've got that big uh, that big gathering, the um, great games done quick, wasn't it? Uh, or, or... So there's actually two. Yeah. Um, there's AGDQ, which is awesome games done quick, oh, yeah. and there's SGDQ, which is summer games done quick. And I didn't get either of those right. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you didn't. Um, but yeah, so it's a, it's a twice yearly sort of uh, speedrun marathon fundraiser where they have people come in and speedrun games and uh, raise money for different charities. Uh, one of them supports the Prevent Cancer Foundation and the other supports Doctors Without Borders. Yeah, yeah. So those those events occur the summer. One occurs sometime in the summer and the other one occurs like in January-ish. Mm -hmm. um, closer to the new year. They're roughly six months apart sort of thing. Those are pretty neat though and they're, they're big events um, but that's speedrunning community that kind of comes around it and then yeah. comes together to support those things. And uh, of course as mentioned earlier there's one other thing that people can uh, form communities around and that's uh, personalities such as you know youtubers or streamers like say you've got like i think marn actually got a community a youtube community around him or you know you have maximilian he's a big street fighter well he started out really doing a lot of street fighter stuff but now he's just he's opened up into the broader just in general fighting games uh, area yeah, you've also got people like uh, Peeve Peeverson, who's known for Dark Souls PvP, or Lobos Jr., who's known for Dark Souls Challenge runs, things like that. Mm. But you also have things uh, like esports teams. Yeah, could go in in this sort of concept. Yeah, yeah. Where you know you have so and so's fans, boxer. Yeah, boxers fans. I I don't know if he still plays, but 
he's the name i i don't watch a lot of esports so my apologies to those that really like them i just don't know any examples for you beyond somebody who i know was really famous a long time ago yeah, and somebody's just like shouting ah! anyway continuing <laughs> yeah so um one of the things that happens with communities they often will develop places of communication you know they want to talk about the thing that they're a fan of and so there's uh, different sorts of places when official forums are a thing that exists and forums are a big area where communication has occurred i think it's probably migrated a bit to reddit at this point yeah but uh i know certainly back in my day of 2006 uh, there are definitely forums, and so you'd have sub-forums, and communities will develop on those. So, for example, for an MMO, they have sub-forums for each class, and uh, you have a bunch of people there. I know Guild Wars 2 has has yeah. that sort of thing. I'm sure there's people down there. You have uh, people that might really flock to, say, a trading forum in an MMO also. It's very common for fighting games to have just some forums that are just made by users in particular that just contain... just archives of data and people that you can talk to about matchups yeah like things. there's the the smash brothers forums yeah you du know yeah like there's the smash Brothers forums there's dust loop which is guilty gear yeah that one's still going and that has like all sorts of stuff on there oh man i was super sad uh there was a forum i used to visit way back in the day for starcraft stuff oh, yeah. i predominantly went there for like starcraft modding mm -hmm. uh which that was a lot of fun that was another community i looked at that website recently it uh, doesn't exist anymore Oh, I, I, was, I was super sad, Boo. but uh, that's okay. Life moves on. So with uh, with these communities, there's some other stuff that can kind of come up. Inter-community rivalries. So sometimes these rivalries can be really good natured, like the uh, Peverson versus Orbo the Ninja Perry King competition stuff. You know, they're friends, <laughs> and uh, it, it, I, it was great times. Yeah, that just, that just sounds fun to me. <laughs> um, uh, it, this is a big segue, but like one of the best moments from that when was when Peef Peverson got a Perry and then switched to Giant Dad, <laughs> and then hit landed the repost. Oh, wow. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, I look up something like P. Peverson Giant Dad Perry or something. I don't know. On mm -hmm. YouTube. Mm -hmm. it, it was a great moment in, in Dark Souls amusement. But anyway, so like I was saying, some of these rivalries can be kind of good natured, but there can also be some really vicious ones. PvP and PvE communities yeah. can often develop this. Uh, the Smash Brothers for fun and for glory, as it were. Ooh, that is a vicious, vicious rivalry. Yeah. And then something else that can kind of happen are uh, gatekeepers. So these are individuals who kind of are a bit bullish. They basically police who's allowed in a community. I kind of have a negative view of the actions of these individuals. Kind of see that they kind of behave on their own whims and they're kind of there's a lot of no true scotsman style logical fallacies that get employed mm -hmm. but uh you know like no true fan of competitive smash brothers would possibly enjoy yeah. items being on you know mm -hmm. that sort of concept yeah yeah there's there can be some of that sort of gatekeeping which is really unfortunate games suffer when that happens yeah but at any rate once you get to the point that players are kind of acting in a broader community there's kind of several lines within a community several lines of stratification that players will several lines of stratification that kind of determine sort of how much the player or where the player is with regards to the community things like that um, how they're interacting with it in, in many ways so sort of these common lines are uh, investment which is how much does the player feel that they've invested in the game? So that's things like time, money, or effort. Basically, it's sort of their resources compared to sort of their other games or other players, that sort of thing. And then there's experience, which is how much experience does the player feel they have relative to other players or just in general. And this is specifically experience with playing the game. 
kind of how skilled they feel they are at the game, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's knowledge, which is, you know, just how much does the player know about the game or, or think that they know about the game. So all of these sort of terms are kind of couched in a subjective analysis. They're largely based on self-perception. They may or may not be rooted in reality. Uh, there can be some elitism that can occur with these, uh, some boasting that can happen yeah. when when players feel that they kind of need to express their superiority or just how much they know about things. Yeah. But uh, in and of themselves, there's there's some positives and negatives to these, uh, to to each of these individual qualities. And I think it's important to kind of discuss those and to see not just where the negatives can occur, the things that can push players away or cause tension within within communities, but also the positives that each of these sorts of traits bring. Yeah. So getting right in there, well, one of these is this concept of investment. So investment is basically players who are into a community for, um, because of their, you know, investment, they tend to be, you know, very, very loyal. Uh, and they're going to be pretty vocal about how the game is and things that they think might need to be changed about it. Uh, the thing about players who are super invested is that they can, they can, and I, I emphasize the can, they can be some of your best testers because if they're putting in a lot of time into the game and they're really into it, or specifically they play through it and they have enough of an investment to feel like they want to speak about the stuff that's happening in there, then they'll be some of the ones that will highlight some of the stuff that may or may not be broken within the game. Yeah, and they also tend to be very loyal. Uh, they can tend to be some of your most enfranchised players. They're often very enthusiastic, or they can be great spokesmen. But but, but what comes with this is, of course, after talking about the positives, we've got to talk about the negatives on this as well. Yeah. And the thing is that putting a large investment into the product can make a player feel very enfranchised in a negative, in a negative way. Yeah, where they feel like they're owed something by the game or the developers. And so they can use things that point to their investment as, as justifications for the sort of the demands they make. Things like, I paid X dollars for this, or I've played this game for X hours, or I've been, I've played this game for, you know, this amount of time, you know, I've been playing it this long. Things like that. Another thing that you can sometimes hear is, I had to endure thing X, so everyone should have to. You know, and this is kind of, um, a desire to sort of preserve their sense of investment, to perceive the value of their accomplishment. So an example of this would be, for anybody who's played Dark Souls 2, there is an area called the Shrine of Amana towards the end of the game. And when the game first released, that area had a bunch of enemies in it that would shoot projectiles at you that did a really good job of homing in on you. Mm -hmm. And it was a really monster area. FromSoft, the developers, decided maybe we shouldn't make this game quite this painfully punishing to play. If this is Dark Souls we're talking about here, and FromSoft decided they needed to make this area less hard. So they did. And inevitably, some people complained about other people having easy mode. Um, I also saw some uh, some complaints recently about Hyperlight Drifter, where the developers saying that they were basically toning down some aspects of the game to make it a little bit easier. People who already gotten through those areas complain about them dumbing down the game or making it too easy or things like that. And so you see that sort of thing where people don't want other people to be able to accomplish what they accomplish with less effort. It's it's an understandable human trait, but it you can't just bow to that and make a worse game or, or one that people won't enjoy overall. Yeah, so... Uh, just to wrap up the investment part, people with a high investment, they will have very strong opinions 
uh, generally speaking, because they've put time and effort and you know, a little bit of themselves into playing your game. So on that level, they'll know a lot about it. And, you know, you can pay a little bit of attention to what they say. Just know that on another level, there is a bit of false enfranchisement that can happen there that can skew a lot of the information that you get. Um, and also skew some of their opinions to become uh, negative and have a negative effect on the rest of the community. Yeah. Uh, the next one is experience. So again, this is kind of assessing how much they've played the game and as a result, how skilled they are. Uh, it's different from knowledge. Uh, knowledge focuses more on how much they know about the game, while experience focuses more on knowing how to play the game. Um, so experienced players can be really good educators of others they can really help people understand how the game works mm -hmm. um they can do a really good job of figuring out underlying systems they can do some really impressive feats yeah uh they can make some really cool looking combo videos for example for your devil may cry players or your fighting game players yeah but sometimes these really experienced players can also be a big source of name-calling of less experienced players and really kind of mock less experienced players. Mm -hmm. They can make it really hard for somebody to just get in there if they are ready and willing to berate a player for being bad at the game. Yeah, these are the, the people who unfortunately are most likely to bandy about noob. They also, and often this comes with a an overinflated sense of it, your own experience. Yeah, yeah. They can be very toxic in MOBA communities. Mm-hmm. It's something that even, as I know over the years, uh, with how the, the FGC or the fighting game community, um, has developed, like it's something that has the many members of the community have been really trying to fight against over the years. For sure. Uh, because you, I mean, that's why you see so many tutorial videos getting posted by different people at different times and, um, all sorts of things like that because they uh, like they're super aware of one of the aspects that the negative effects of being hyper experienced uh well that a hyper experienced person being negative in the community can do which is specifically it will cause the community to stagnate and not continue to grow and not continue to add more people to it yeah these are also the sorts of players that are most likely to say everything's too easy yeah you see this i i've seen it a lot in the souls community mm -hmm. uh where people are like Oh, but that game was so easy. It's the sort of thing where it can be really easy to forget where you came from. Yeah. And remembering that and and having humility in the midst of your experiences, something that really helps build up a community mm -hmm. and means that such people can be fonts of wisdom yeah. and very supportive. But lacking that humility and being boastful can really damage a community. Most definitely. And so we move on to the concept of knowledge, which is different from experience. And this is more in the concept of just knowing things about the game, but not necessarily being good at playing the game. So this is like uh, for Dark Souls, for instance, this would be like knowing item locations, knowing enemy placements, knowing the underlying story of the game. Guys who are in this area, they're the ones that are, are generally doing the wikis or making lore videos videos or just in general talking game history or things like that yeah they can be really cool historians for the game also um, or for game series they can bring a lot of back knowledge yeah uh, if they've been playing a series for a long time for example and really connect threads through and then other players can see the stuff that they've posted about what's going on they can be like that's so cool yeah uh, and stuff like that and there can be a lot of positive 
sort of community stuff that way. I mean, even things from like making sure that the wikis are accurate and have good information and are correct can really aid a lot of players, even experienced players. Experienced players might not know how to play the game, but they might be like, I forget where this item is and they want to look it up. Yeah. And knowledgeable players can help support that aspect of the community and and players that are focused on trying to accumulate that knowledge. On the other hand, um, there can be some some negatives, particularly the knowledgeable players can have a tendency to spoil stuff for others. Uh, if they forget what isn't common knowledge, mm-hmm. that's one that can lead to a lot of accidental spoilerage. Yeah, it's true. Um, like experienced players might be prone to backseat gaming by telling them what they're doing wrong. Knowledgeable players are going to backseat game by saying, why didn't you go for this thing or that thing or whatever? If, yeah. Like, Those are the thing over there. Why did you miss it? Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's that having that restraint to be able to say, this is their experience. Yeah. If they want to know, they'll ask me. Yeah. <laughs> like there's, there's that level of wanting to be helpful that delves into territory where it's not actually being helpful anymore. It's, it's damaging the experience. And it can be easy to accidentally do that. And also just this idea of they can sometimes become boastful or braggarty about what they know. Yeah. And, and that's, again, Humility is so important in members of community to making that community work well. And that's uh, humility, uh, just in, in general to briefly cover it. There's this concept of modesty, which is very self effacing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have anything to do with that, but it's more respecting others yeah. and, and having empathy for where other people are at in their experience with the game, where they are at within the community and what they like out of a game. Yeah. It's, and it's definitely that idea of um, being able to look at others and put yourself into their shoes and really understand and try and understand that where they're coming from is not necessarily where you're coming from, you know? Yeah. But that's us going over three different ways of engagement that kind of characterize different members of the communities. And one thing I think that's important to note about all these three things, um, I mean, first off, these are in varying degrees. And more often than not, your your average player is going to have all three of these just kind of rolled up in different degrees within them as far as how they um, how they engage with the game. Um, but even more so, if we go to the community, it's going to be filled with just all sorts of different people in there. And um, their actions, all of these actions, if you know done properly, uh, if they're working together, they can really strengthen and enrich a community and actually allow the community to affect people outside of the community, um, which is a really interesting thing. Like, especially in this current age where you got all the YouTube videos. Oh, yeah. You got... Um, I mean, you've got the wikis and things like somebody who just cracked open their their copy of Dark Souls and said, like, I'm going to play some Dark Souls. Um, Actually, I'm not quite sure what to do. Well, there's a YouTube video on that. Let's take a look at that, Uh, you know, or um, let's go to the wiki. Let's check it out, <laughs> you know, and stuff. Yeah, like that. for sure. And And the thing here is that, like. You have the individual members of community that can work together to strengthen and enrich that community, but the communities can also work together to strengthen and enrich the overall game, like for the game's audience as a whole. And also it, it supports their own experiences, right? And it's kind of this neat cycle of, uh, the community really coming together to, to make an experience that is greater than just the game itself. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing, really. Yeah, it certainly can be. That I mean, other than uh, I mean, the two games that are like really great examples. I mean, we've been referencing them constantly throughout this, but I mean, Dark Souls is an amazing example of a community coming together 
to um to broaden and enrich an already really good experience to awesome levels and then we have things like the street fighter and just really the fighting game communities those games become so much more when you have all of these people coming together under them and just their stories of where they came from, you know, playing back in the arcade days. And then you have the, the, you have the tourneys and everything just happening everywhere and seeing people perform. Like this is a really, really good time to be in any sort of community, really. Yeah. The tools for it have really expanded. And just kind of uh, from a slightly different angle, as a developer, you may not really like talking about from a developer's perspective, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, that's something we want to try to do here a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So you may not be able to necessarily predict which communities will develop around your game, but it is important as a developer to be respectful of each community. You know, they're there for a reason. You know, there's something that they love about your game. Yeah. And, And just remember that and do what you can to try and support each community appropriately. Yeah. Uh, highlight the best aspects of your various communities. Give people something to aspire to. Yeah. Right. A, a good example, good role models to aspire to. And also just try to, as best as you can, to not play favorites, but to try to treat each community fairly. Now, you might not be able to have, say, the resources to evenly treat all of them, but understanding that they're there and that you want to make sure some attention yeah. is given to them. Yeah. I think a really good example of this is actually with Magic the Gathering where there's a lot of communities around magic. You mm-hmm. have a lot of different streamers and things like that, um, different content providers, different people who make videos, write articles, all that sort of thing. And you also have all of these different sorts of ways to play. You have the kitchen table player. They're the sort of player that doesn't necessarily engage with the community as much. But you also have people who like Commander, or EDH as it was called back in the day. You have people that are really into different competitive formats. You have people that want to play more casually. You have just all of these different groups of players, people that like limited. So Wizards of the Coast does what they can to try to serve these communities. Mm-hmm. When preview seasons come along, when they're like, here's going to be the cards for the next set, they try to give previews spread throughout the community, different language regions, different types of content, articles, videos, just different groups. They want to spread this around and and show their support for these content creators. They make cards for different formats. They they intentionally say, okay, well, we know this is something that commander players have really been wanting, so we're going to make it for them. Or they say, this is going to help create a really interesting environment for standard, or uh, this is the sort of card that your kitchen table player is going to love. Mm-hmm. And they try to make stuff for everyone. Not everything is going to be for everyone, but they try to make something that will appeal to all of their different communities as reasonably as they can. Obviously, yeah. they have restrictions, but they they really do seek to try to support their broader community. And I think that's the sort of model that a lot of developers can look at. You know, it, they may not be able to uh, or have as many different types of communities as Wizards has, but look at your speedrunning community. What's something that you can do to potentially help them? Yeah. Right? You know, even if it's something like, hey, we're going to call you uh, on Skype when you're speedrunning our game on a GDQ. That can be a really cool interaction. Yeah. And just things like that where there's levels of engagement with the community that can can really sort of enhance the overall experience and make it feel like they're cared about. 
Yeah. And uh, it should be noted, community management or engaging with the community as a developer, it's hard work. Oh, yeah. But definitely, um, as we move further and further into the information age, and we'll probably be entering a new age soon, because, I mean, we're, <laughs> we've been in this information age for quite some time. Um, I'll, I'll let Civilization 7 or whatever tell, <laughs> tell me what that age is called. <laughs> but yeah, as we move further and further into this age, it's only be going to become more important to really keep track. Well, maybe not necessarily keep track of all these things because you can't know everything that everyone does with your game. It's just not, that's not tenable. But to be willing to recognize and act upon the, the idea that people will do more than just play your game. Yeah. And remember that for the most part, these communities are made up of people who love your game in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. And sharing in their love for your game is a beautiful thing. Indeed. I couldn't have said it better. So, with those sterling words, I think we're ready to sign off. Okay. This is Cient here, signing off. And this is Redcoat, signing off. Play the games you want to play, boyos.